Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. Welcome to Believers Church. We're excited you're with us this morning. This is our wish, missions weekend. We title this uh, message First World Problems. And as I watch this video, I certainly have complained about some of those very things over the years. And you and I living in America, we are really, really blessed. And I believe with the blessing, God also wants us to be those people that do some extraordinary things that other people are not able to do. And we're going to talk about that this morning because the Bible says, to whom much is given, much more is required. And we are an incredibly blessed nation. And I remember my first couple missions trips, they were to Europe, and they worked me like a dog. I, I taught in churches, I taught in Bible schools, uh, did pastor's conferences, but I was still in Europe. <laughs> and, you know, you get to see some beautiful sights, some beautiful history. But I remember my first missions trip to a third world country. I went to India, and we started in Madras City. They pl placed us in a nice hotel there and uh, did a pastor's conference there. But then I jumped on a train. It, it was a, a train from England. It was the steam train, an old steam train. Ten-hour ride uh, down to a city called Talipatagudam. And uh, for the restroom, it just was a hole. And when you went to the restroom, you, you saw the tracks going real fast underneath. And uh, it was an experience in and of itself on the train ride. But then I arrived at this little village and it was amazing, the poverty that I saw. You know, people in cardboard boxes and those types of things. But they brought me into a room. It was my bedroom for the week. And um, had two beautiful windows, but there was a problem with the windows. There was no glass on them. There was no screens. Not, not even shutters. And there were these insects all over the room on the walls. And I saw these little lizards climbing up and down the walls. And that's where I slept. And I was really nervous about it. That first night, I tucked myself in the covers like I've never tucked myself in covers before. I prayed, Lord, don't allow any insects to crawl in my, no up my nose or in my mouth uh, or in my ears and lay their eggs. And then the, the baby's going to hatch and crawl out. And, you know, if you, if you watch Star Trek, you know that's from one of the Star Trek movies. And, and uh, I went to sleep that night, a nervous wreck. And I remember as I'm tucked in those covers, I felt the lizards crawling on me as I went to sleep. And uh, that was the best they had. And I remember waking up in the morning and I looked out one of the windows and I saw this pond. It was stagnant pond. And cows were walking in it doing their business. And I saw a young girl with a bucket grab some water and she walked towards the house. And a few seconds later, she knocked on my door and it was my sponge bath uh, uh, water. And I was, it was really muggy, really hot. And, and I was so sweaty. I had, I had to do something. And I remember taking a sponge bath with that water. But then the toilet in the room was just a hole in the ground. And they had another bucket of water. It was from the pond. And they didn't have toilet paper. They, they used their left hand with that water to clean themselves after they went. And it was funny, when I was at breakfast, everybody, they didn't use utensils where, where I was at. They all ate with their right hand. And their left hand, they kind of kept under the table. And I understood why at that moment. And uh, it just shook me to the core. I had never witnessed that type of, of poverty. 
And I remember I saw where they prepared our rice. They dug this big hole in the ground, and they put these big banana leaves. They cooked the rice in these big pots, and then they threw it into the hole on top of the banana leaves. But I saw ants and other insects crawling all over. They brushed them off, put it in a dish, and brought it into the house for us to eat. And those kind of things I was not used to. And while I was preaching, um, especially at night, there were just bugs flying everywhere uh, because of the lighting on the stage. And they were going into my mouth while I preached. And thankfully, I had an interpreter. So after I said something, he repeated it. And I turned around and was just spitting bug, bugs out. And I had my Bible had bugs smushed all over wherever I preached. When I came home, I just had bug, bug guts everywhere in my Bible. And from a natural standpoint, it was awful. It was awful. I had never experienced that level of poverty, that level of third world ever. But, you know, at the end of the crusade, they averaged about 10,000 people uh, that were at the crusade per service. And we had 1,000-plus that accepted Christ. And I stood there at that old stagnant pond, and I watched the local pastors. I watched them water baptized all those people. And the fruit, the results, were, were worth the little bit of suffering that I did. But what it did for me is it opened up my eyes to a whole other world. And I, I really feel if you don't see it, you just will never understand it and, and what people live like and how they live. And it just opened my heart up even further to missions. And one of the things I want to make sure I do today or don't do is bring shame to anybody. Uh, you and I cannot help that we were born in America. Uh, I don't want you to feel shame because you're well-to-do in America. But here's what I do want you to understand. We have been so blessed and it's important that we give back and we sow something into what we call world missions, global missions. And I came up with some numbers I wanted to share with you just to help you see how blessed you are. I love numbers. My wife does not like numbers. So I ran these numbers by her to make sure it was palatable uh, for her. And I figured if it was, everybody in the room would enjoy it. And she gave me a check mark. I didn't get a star, but I had a check mark. So this should be, this should be good enough, guys. So uh, here, here's some uh, income facts for the working population of planet Earth. Uh, the average medium yearly income in the U.S. per person is $26,695. U.S. federal minimum wage is $7.25. Some states take it a little higher. Everyone has to pay at least this. The average world wage is $0.62 cents per hour. I just want you to notice the difference between that, that and, and our minimum wage. How about this? 98% of the working people on the planet make under $26,695 per year. So that makes this true. You are in the top 2% of the richest people in the world if you make $26,695. Isn't that amazing? You're the upper crust. Now you and I realize that probably very few, if any of us in this room, are the upper crust in America. There, there's probably some of you, but majority of us aren't. But when we take us and we compare us to the world, we are the upper crust. Listen to this fact. 99.69% of the working people on the planet make under $50,000 per year. And so if you're making 50 or more, you're in the top half percent of the richest people on the planet. And living in America, we, we don't look at ourselves as being all that well-to-do, the majority of us in this room. But if we look at ourselves globally, I just want you to think about Judgment Day, and we're not being judged by Jesus. If we're Christians, he's not going to judge us to determine whether he lets us in. We go in not by works, but by faith. But when I get up there, I, I want to know that, hey, I'm in the top 2%, I'm in the top half percent, 
And man, I want to know that I sowed some money into foreign missions and I helped bring the gospel to people that needed the gospel. And you might be sitting here saying, but Pastor Joe, the gospel's free and you're 100% correct, but so is water. But guess what? I have a water bill. Here's why I have a water bill. Somebody had to lay the pipes to bring it to my house. Somebody else has to maintain them. Someone has to purify the water. So water is free, but it costs money to bring it to people. And it's the same with the gospel. Here's another stat. Um, it goes like this. Um, actually, that's not enough. I, I shared all my stats. Sorry about that. Um, here's what I want you to walk out never forgetting today. The, greatest, the Great Commission is every Christian's mission. And I, just want, I want you to walk out remembering this, that all of us have a part to play. All of us can do something in this thing called global missions. All of us can sow something into it. And it brings a story to mind. Uh, many of you have probably flown in and out of LaGuardia Airport in New York City. And uh, it's named after one of their mayors. And uh, his name was Fiorello LaGuardia. And he was the mayor of New York City during the Great Depression. A very, very tough time financially in our, in our country. And if you, if you haven't talked to grandparents that have experienced it, I've talked with my mom and dad, and to hear what they did and how they lived, uh, it, it was a really tough time. Well, he was a hands-on mayor, so there were, were nights when he'd go and he would just spend the night in a police, cru police cruiser. He just wanted to know his city, and he'd ride around with a police officer. There were other nights when he would just uh, go to the fire station, and if there was a fire, he'd jump in the truck, and he'd, he'd be there with the firemen. One night, he decided to go to a courtroom. It was for petty criminals. And uh, he told the judge, you can go home. I'm, I'm going to be the judge tonight. And so he's judging cases. And this store owner comes up with, with an older woman, and his, he was charging her for theft. She, she stole a loaf of bread from his store. So he told, he told the mayor what happened. He looked at the woman, and he said, why did you steal this loaf of bread? She said, well, my daughter's husband left her, and she became ill. She has two children. They're my grandchildren. And she said they were starving. They had no food to eat. She can't work. I can't work because of my age. And they were starving. I couldn't allow my grandkids to die. So he looks at the shop, shop owner, and he says, hey, can you cut her a break and drop these charges? The shop owner says, I can't, because if I do this for her, the word will get out, and a bunch of people are going to come take a loaf of bread. They're going to take some produce, and I'll go out of business. So then he looks back at the woman. He says, do you realize the penalty uh, for this is either 10 days in jail? And while he's saying that, he's pulling this wallet out and he's taking out a $10 bill. He says the penalty is 10 days in jail or a $10 fine. And he lays his $10 down and she knew immediately he was paying the fine for her. So he says, I fine you $10. But then he looked at everybody in the courtroom and in the courtroom you had other petty criminals. You had some police officers that were there telling the story. You, you had some other just non-criminals in there, and he looked at everybody in the courtroom and he said this. He said, I'm going to penalize every single one of you 50 cents. You're paying a 50 cent fine for allowing New York City to be a city where people like this woman don't have food to eat. And he took off his famous hat, and he, they passed his hat, and when the money was all, all in the hat, everybody gave, he, he laid it on his bench, he counted it out, it was $47.50, and he pushed it over to the woman, and he gave it to the woman. Everyone in the courtroom stood up and gave him a standing applause for what he did. 
They went crazy in there. The next day, it was the headlines in the New York Times. And I want to ask you a question. Did he solve the poverty problem in New York City? He didn't solve it. Did he solve that woman's poverty problem? No, he helped her probably for a month or two, but he didn't solve her problem. And, and you and I will never bring the gospel to the whole world, but we can do what I'd like to say are 50 cents worth. And we can give something. And if we give something, we can change the world that we live in. They changed and impacted a life. And you and I can change and impact a life by sharing the gospel and helping finance it throughout the world. And that's what we're going to talk about as we continue on. Uh, we have a missions fund here at Believers, and uh, we call it our Global Missions Fund. And that fund is financed by the people. Uh, we also sow seed from our general fund. That's a different thing. But we have our global missions, and you guys support it. And I'll tell you about the different types of ministries that we support here in a little bit. And I'm going to ask you today uh, to consider becoming part of our monthly partners for that global fund. And when you came in on your seat, you, you have a little piece of paper. It's like a commitment paper or card. Can you just take a look at it just for a second? It should be on your seat or the seat next to you. And this is what I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider, uh, becoming a monthly supporter. And here, I want you to know, I realize there's people on fixed incomes. You may only be able to do a dollar a month, $5 a month. You, you may not be able to give a lot, 50 cents. I know we have students in here, high school, uh, college. You may only be able to do a little bit, but remember, your 50 cents worth will, will make a difference. There's others in here, you're heavy hitters, you can give larger amounts. And I just want everybody to pray, everybody in between, can I become a monthly supporter? What can I give? What can I do? And every little bit's going to have this incredible, awesome, outstanding impact. And so pray about that. Some of you may be ready to fill it out, put it in the offering when it goes by today. We're going to receive an offering for one of our missionaries for a special project, which I'll explain in a moment. Some of you may want to think about it and bring it back next week, but thank you for doing that. And uh, I, I want to take a moment and I want to give what I call some constructive criticism. And um, it is what, exactly what it is. When I see that, here's, here's a phrase I would put next to it. I think we can do a little better. That's all. We can do better. And I, I want to give some constructive criticism for Western Christians. And here's the first one. Christians make up 33% of the world's population, but receive 53% of the world's annual income and spend 98% of it on themselves. And I think we can do better. I think we can do way better than that. Listen to this. 91% of all Christian outreach, evangelism, does not target non-Christians, but targets other Christians. And I think we can do better than that. I, I agree. Christians living in poor countries, they need our help too. But we have to make sure we're targeting those non-Christians. Here's a stat that blew my mind. 42% of the world's population is unreached with the gospel. And I love going over after these people that they're not like our friends and relatives. If you live in America, you heard about Jesus. But these are people that haven't heard yet. And I love going after these people. And I think we can do better and reach all these unreached people groups. And here's some praise. You've got to give some praise for Western Christians. That would be America, Canada, Europe. And the first one is this. Evangelicals are growing at an annual rate of 2.6% compared to Islam at 1.9% and Hinduism at 1.2%. 
And these are the three major religions of the world. So we're doing good. I think we can do better. But that's something to thank God over. That's good. We're growing faster than the other major religions. How about this? The country with the fastest Christian expansion in history is China. Now at 10,000 new converts every day, that's 3,500,000 plus a year that are accepting Christ in China. And that, that's mind-blowing when you think about how many people are coming to Christ in China. China is having a revival. I have a friend, his name's Jonathan Brooks, and his wife Susan went to Bible school with Gina and I, so we, we've known each other. She's from Warren, and so she went to Bible school with us, and um, she married Jonathan. Jonathan's, I, I think it's his great-grandfather started a ministry to China. That's back when there was just the underground church. For years, it was just the underground church. Christians had, had to be underground, or the government would throw them in jail or kill them. Now, the government's allowing the above-ground church, and it is flourishing like crazy. So Jonathan's ministry is to the above-ground church. Here's what he does. He'll go and he'll have pastor seminars to train their pastors, and he'll hand out free Bibles to the Chinese citizens wherever, wherever he's going to go. And what's really fascinating is the Chinese government prints the Bibles for him. And then he has to pay for the Bibles, but they print them. And they're allowing Bibles to be given out all over China. And that's how you're getting the opportunity for this kind of revival. This is an incredible, incredible move of God. And I'm excited about what God's doing in China. And it's Western Christians that are over there as missionaries making these things happen. How about this step? In AD 100, there were 360 people for every believer or Christian. Now there are 7.3 people for every believer. Can we agree? Christianity's expanded. And so I praise uh, what's happening, and I just feel like we can do even better. And I guess the question we want to ask is, what, what part can you and I do as individuals? And I came up with three simple things. So here's the first one. We can all pray. And uh, I think we all know that. Prayer is powerful. And yet, you might say, what do I pray for? I want to give you some things to pray for. You know, I remember when uh, the Iron Curtain came down, and that was incredible. When the Soviet Union was dismantled, that was incredible. And the gospel went in there like crazy. I, I have friends that went in there. They have churches in Russia, and, and people are being saved all over Russia. I know they're in the news. I know their leadership is doing some crazy things right now in the Ukraine. But on the other side, God's doing some incredible things in Russia, and that's cool to see. So here's some things we can pray for. 86 countries prohibit or restrict Western missionaries. And so we can pray for God to tear down those walls and change regimes if he have to, has to so the gospel can get to these dear people. Uh, here, how about this? Some 65 to 70% of the world's population lives in religiously restricted countries. We can just pray again for God to change things, for God to open up doors so we can bring this gospel to these people. And then here's some simple things we can always pray we can pray for hearts to be open to Jesus. I remember before my heart was open, I made fun of people that loved Jesus, called them Jesus freaks. And I remember when God opened my eyes and I saw Jesus as the Savior. That's a huge difference. And only God can open your eyes up to that. But we can pray and ask him to do it all over the world for these Christians, for these people to become Christians. Then we can pray for God to send missionaries and uh, just pray, Lord, send missionaries, raise up missionaries. We can pray for the missionaries. Out of our church, we've had so many missionaries come up and go out to the world. And one of the guys I thought about for this message, his name's Paul Bowers. He was our IT employee here at the church. He was our IT person. And he went to Peru, and then he felt a call to Peru. And I remember when he came in my office and said, 
man, I really feel I'm being called down to Peru. And I said, well, let's just pray about it. And then I remember when he said, I need to go. And, and he's been in Peru ever since. And he's doing an incredible job in the nation of Peru. That's what we can pray. Here's another thing I, I think we can all give. And uh, we can do something. We can do our part. We can throw our 50 cents in. And BC Missions, if you give to our missions program, and I realize some of you are already given to missions, so you might say, I'm already giving. Some of you may be looking. Some of you may have never thought about it. So we have this incredible missions program. It's like a missions mutual fund. Uh, it's very, very profitable. People are accepting Christ all over the world through this fund. And we support 15 international Bible schools. And they're in South America they're in Africa, they're in Europe, they're in Asia, they're all over the world. And many of these have other Bible schools that they've launched, and so they have other schools under them. Here's what I love about international Bible schools. They raise up nationals who then go and start churches, and they understand the culture. And we're watching revival happen all over the place. And if you give to our missions, you're part of that. How about this? We have four missionaries living on the foreign field that we support. Paul was one of them I mentioned. And then we support Jews for Jesus because the Bible says go to the Jews first. So I, I love Jews for Jesus. It's an international ministry. They're reaching out to Jewish people to lead them to Christ. And so we put some money into them also. So if you give to BC Missions, you make a decision to give monthly, uh, it's going to go to these different places. And then I think all of us should consider going. I really do. Um, and I know some of you can't for physical reasons, for season in your life, maybe for finances, but... Man, if you can, I would encourage you to do it. And here's why. Nothing impacts a Christian's life more than a foreign missions trip. And all four of my kids, when they were in high school, they all went to different missions trips to third world countries. And I really encouraged it because I believe that it's that life changing. I wanted them to see how blessed they were. I also wanted them to see what God could do in a hungry, starving nation and how people accept Christ and how people give their hearts to Christ. If you're sitting here and you say finances aren't there, I, I want to tell you a secret. Your first missions trip, it's easy to get people to help send you. We have form letters. You can, you can personalize them, and you can send them to your friends and relatives. They'll give for your first trip, but your second one, they probably won't give you anything. Uh, it's kind of like the first baby shower, and then after that, uh, you already had one. That's it. No more. Okay, uh, but, but people will help you that first time, and, and you, can, you can go. It is life-changing. We do trips here, but we have other people in the church. We have medical missions trips you may want to hook up with. Uh, if we don't have something, you can hook up with another church, and I'll hook you up with different churches to go on trips that they're doing. Maybe you want to build. Whatever you want to do, I can hook you up with a trip. We can do it here. And so if you say, I need to go, I want to do something specific, I'll find you a ministry that's doing it. And this weekend we have a special giving project. We're going to receive an offering. So you'll, you'll put your commitment in there. You'll, you know, I'm going to give to missions. But we're also asking everybody to give, and it's going to be to Greg Miller and his family. He's a pastor in Guatemala, and here's what he does. He pioneers churches where there are no churches in the mountains of Zacapa. And we sent a team there last year. We have a team going this year. And uh, I, I loved talking to all these guys when they came back. And one of the things I heard over and over, he had this old beaten truck where you thought you were going to fall through the floor. You know, it, the truck metal was all rusting. And they had to go up these winding mountainous roads to get to the villages where the, these people are that never heard of Jesus. And he started dozens of churches already and, and planted churches all through here. But they told me those winding roads were crazy because there's no rails. 
And if you go over, you're, you're toast. And, uh, and so they told me how scary that ride was, but it was also scary because the Jeep or, or the truck was so bad. So when I was thinking about this all the way last year, I thought, we're going to receive a special offering. And for $15,000, we asked Greg, we can buy him a truck. And, and I believe we have the resources here at Believers to do that this weekend. So ask you to consider what's your part. Some of you will be heavy hitters. We'll need some heavy hitters. Some of you will say, I can only give a quarter, a dollar. That's all I've got. That's cool. And there'll be a bunch of us in between. And that's okay. Well, also, um, I want you to hear this video interview. It comes from Eric Thompson. And uh, Eric went to the missions trip last year. And when he came back, I was so blown away by what it did to him. I was so blown away with how it changed him that I, I said, we have to have him share his story. And Eric and I grew up as neighbors. He lived across the street from me on Valacamp Southeast over in Holland. And uh, I was grounded a whole summer for shooting him with a BB gun. And uh, when, when he first started coming to the church a couple years ago, I asked him to forgive me a couple weekends in a row. You sure? I'm sorry, Eric. I'm sorry I shot you. I was a different kid. But uh, his interview is really cool. So let's, let's watch it together. We're here with the Eric Thompson, owner of Satoli Carpet, magician, comedian, extraordinaire. And uh, we're going to just talk missions for a few minutes. Great. And... Uh, Eric, you've been a follower of Christ for a few years now, recommitted a few years back. Absolutely. And uh, I've gotten to know you a little bit, and it's been really cool to just watch the progression of your story and kind of what's happened in your life and your personal journey. And uh, why don't you tell, tell Believer's Church uh, what happened last summer? There was kind of a significant event that happened that all centered around this trip that you took. It actually started a little bit before the summer. There, there was this talk that I'd heard about a uh, group of folks from the church were sponsoring a trip, a mission trip to, to Guatemala. I was a little bit interested in, I've, I've loved to travel. I've been lots and lots of places and, and thought, well, maybe this mission thing might sound cool. That's, that's pretty cool. So I, I, I had a chance to talk with Bruce uh, Buckler for, for, for a little while and he told me about the trip. And, and he knew that I was a, a professional magician and performer. And, and we started talking about how maybe I could go to these villages, these remote mountain locations where people had never seen live entertainment like this. And I could be the guy that attracted families to schools or churches or to the village center, get a big crowd together. And then the rest of the group could go in and do the, the, the drama skit thing that they do with the, with the telling the story of Christ, introducing people to, to hymns and Bible verses and hand out Bibles and, and do a sermon and tell the story. And, and it worked out really well. And I was very excited to have the opportunity to, to perform. I thought this is really cool that, that I've been performing around the United States for years and years. This is great. I will be able to take something to these people that they don't have and good for me, I'm giving them this awesome gift. And I really thought it was something that I was giving to the people of Guatemala. It didn't really turn out that way. I was in country for maybe 18 hours, had done one or two shows, and I realized that I was getting so much more satisfaction and so much more reward from my contribution to their lives than they were getting a lot. I was getting way more. Wow. It was way more rewarding for me. That's incredible. So you're a successful guy. Um, you have your own business. Everybody has their own definition of success, but okay. <laughs> you're doing you're doing all right by the okay. standards of what globally is happening around the world. What do you think happened inside of you? Because I think for all of us, 
there's kind of this lull or this daze that we can get into with kind of our comfortable American life and what goes on even spiritually for us here. What would you say to the person that maybe has never been on a mission trip and what, what would that do for them? What would happen inside of you? You mentioned in our conversation that you went down one way and came back another. Yeah. Can you say? You know what, it was, it, was, it was sitting at dinner one night with Pastor Joe and we were talking about, I'd been back for, I don't know, two weeks back in the US. And he said, well, what changed? What was the, if there was like one cool thing that happened? And I said, there were actually hundreds of cool things that happened, but the most succinct way I could put it was, I left here to go to Guatemala as, as a Christian. And I was, I was just, a, I was a decent guy. I was just a Christian. I came back a devout follower of Christ. I found I expected to find ways for me to help those Guatemalan people, and I did. But what I really unearthed was something inside of me that was bigger than all of us. And it was just a way that to be so connected to Christ and the work that I was allowed to do, it was, it was, it was just awesome. That's amazing. It, it, it was Went down and Christian thing. came back a devout follower of Christ. And it turns out there's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah. That's incredible. You know, Romans 10, 15 uh, talks about how can we uh, preach if we're not first sent and how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Can you just finish out by just speaking to that? What do, what do you think that means? What are the implications for, for us as the people that are the church here, maybe in America, and what can we do to do our part? There really isn't a whole lot in the Bible that where Jesus said, go do mission work, go on now. But he did say, go into all the world, go into all the nations and tell everybody about me. People, people are waiting. Sometimes people tell me they're waiting for that call. They, they want that big call from Jesus. They want to hear the voice because some people talk about some missionaries will tell you they had the call. I heard the call. I heard the, God talk to me. God, God, God didn't call me and say, hey, Eric, you should go to Guatemala. Bruce called me in the lobby at Believer's Church and said, you, you want to go? This is going to be fun. You want to go? So when, when people sit around and wait for the call and then they don't hear it, then they don't feel compelled to go. So, so when they tell me that, I tell them, you know, in the Bible it says you should go help. I think you should plan on going until you get a call from Jesus that tells you to stay at home and mind your own business. Because yeah, that's, that's the difference. We're told in the Bible, go help. So go help. Yeah. So in other words, go is the given. Go. Yeah. Well, hey, Eric, thank you so much for coming. Before you go, would it be okay if we could see just one quick magic trick? I get this question all the time. I'm ready. Are you sure that's what you want? I'm sure, and I think I speak for everyone when I say let's do it. Perfect. Here we go. Watch close. I'll only do it once. Watch. Well, Eric Thompson, now you see him, now you don't. Let's give it up for Eric. <laughs> That's so awesome. Real quick, uh, there was more to that interview. We had to cut some out for time's sake. It's on our uh, Believer's Facebook page, so if you want to watch the whole interview, Eric tells a really cool story uh, connected to marbles. It's really cool. It's life-changing, so I encourage you to go to our Facebook to check that out. You know, one of the things that just shocked me and impressed me with Eric was when he came back, 
he, he so fell in love with those kids there and their needs that he began to go to the Optimist Club. He called pastors he'd never met, say, can I talk to a, a, a club in your group, anybody? Uh, you know, anybody. Uh, and, and he raised thousands of dollars for those kids by just going and telling a story, and he sent it down to the kids. And I was just impressed that God impacted his life that much. And in just a moment, we're going to receive that offering. But first, can we bow our heads? Can we close our eyes? Can we pray? Father, thank you today for opening up our hearts and our eyes further than they were. I know so many are already connected to missions and giving, and thank you for them. So many are new, they're just hearing, Lord. Thank you for them. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to live in America. Thank you for this country, Lord. Thank you for, that we're living in a place that's well-to-do. And, and Lord, help us see what we've been given so that we can help and give some and bring the gospel to people that don't have it. Thank you, Lord, for changing our lives because we're here this weekend. My heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just a moment more. You know, if you're here and you're not sure of your forever, your eternity, maybe you're not even sure if God exists, I want you to listen for just a moment. You know, the Bible teaches us that we were born sin-stained because of Adam and Eve's sin. And we were born helpless and hopeless. The Bible says we were in spiritual darkness. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came to the earth to set us free. And when they nailed him to the cross, that's how he set us free. The Bible says God placed the sins of the entire world on Jesus. And he bore all of our sins. Everybody that was ever born, he, born, he carried their sins. And then the Bible talks about how he died and he was buried. He spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. Then he was raised up. He came out of the grave. He's alive. And Jesus has made this statement, whoever calls on my name, I will save them. That's an incredible promise. And right now I'm asking you, can you remember a day when you made it personal and you called on his name? You made a decision to follow him. You know, it's okay if you're a member of a Christian church. That's good. Maybe you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. That's good. Those are all good things. Uh, I'm not asking you to join our church, but here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you prayed and from your heart said, Jesus, today I decide to follow you. I decide to believe in you. If you can't, let this be your day. If God's opened your heart and you say, Pastor Joe, I believe, I want to pray and accept Jesus. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And today, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe and I make a decision right now to make it personal and follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.